Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. The Volume. The 3 and Out Podcast with me, John Middlecoff, is presented by FanDuel Sportsbook. It's the NFL playoff time, and there's no better place to get into the action than FanDuel. Awesome new and existing user promotions, America's number one sportsbook, very easy to use, safe and secure, you get your winnings fast. I cannot recommend it enough. Love gambling with FanDuel. If you are new, just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app to get started now. Sign up with promo code Colin so they know we sent you. And FanDuel is now live in Ohio. What is going on, everybody? John Middlecop, that's me. Three Now Podcast is this show. We got a Super Bowl matchup. Eagles versus the Chiefs. Andy versus Howie. A uh, lot going on. Hopefully you guys enjoyed the podcast yesterday with Coward. Uh, you guys obviously subscribe to the podcast. Appreciate everyone doing that. Watch it on YouTube as well as a lot coming up on this show. Some thoughts still reacting to some of the games, some of the things that are, are still kind of, uh, you know, out there in the ether, some narratives, some talking points that, uh, I want to hit on a couple things with the, uh, the Bengals and the Niners, and, and then some thoughts and some theories on some of this coaching movement with D'Amico with Jerry Jones and McCarthy, Kellen Moore going to the Chargers, and uh, of course the Middlecoff mailbag at John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs and get your question answered here on the show. I will answer them at the end of the show. If you listen on Collins' feed, make sure you subscribe to Three and Out feed. Greatly appreciate everyone that has, and uh, we'll be busy. You know, Super Bowl's coming here. I don't think anything necessarily is going to change for me. I'll just keep recording podcasts and we'll keep rocking and rolling. So, uh, so yeah, let's roll. But before we dive into the show, a lot going on. Obviously, I got some thoughts on the conference championship games, a couple theories on this hiring cycle, and some guys, some movement uh, in coaching the last 24 hours. I want to tell you about my friends at Game Time. The Game Time app. Just go to your app store. I know you guys all have a smartphone. Literally, every human alive does. Download the Game Time app. Fastest growing ticket app in America and use the promo code John. That's J O H N. You want to go to a concert, you want to go to an NHL game, you want to go to an NBA game, a college basketball game, you want to do anything, I got you covered. Promo code John, $20 off your tickets. If you plan on coming to the big game, here in Scottsdale, Phoenix, general area, that week, it's going to be popping. You're an Eagles fan, you're a Chiefs fan, you want to watch your team in the Super Bowl. I recommend it because this area, that week, waste management also going on, is going to be incredible. Going to be a lot of fun. A lot going on. Here's what I need you to do. I need you to download the GameTime app and use the promo code VOLUME100. VOLUME100. Get you $100 off tickets to the big game. So you're an Eagles fan, you're a Chiefs fan, you're just a fan of football and you want to come out here. You got a little cash. You want to come watch Super Bowl. I've been to a Super Bowl. They're badass. I've been to several Super Bowls during the week. A lot of fun. A lot going on. You like football. You, this matchup's fantastic. A lot of good storylines. If you're a Chiefs fan, Eagles fan, VOLUME100. Get yourself $100 off. Tickets to the big game. I recommend it. Come on out. Let's let's have a party. Okay. 
one talking point slash narrative that has kind of been going off, uh, I would say the last 24 hours, is that the Eagles, the Philadelphia Eagles, who are representing the NFC, second Super Bowl in whatever, seven, six years, right? Well, seven years, because the last Super Bowl is 2017. So it's been a, been a couple years. Got lucky uh, to the, the path that they took to make the Super Bowl. And it's always been a little bit of a pet peeve of mine. I got some pet peeves. Like right now in my gym, like when people talk on the phone at the gym, it's like, come on, guys. Let's put your headphones in and just listen to music. I, I don't want to hear you talk to your boyfriend, your brother, your business partner. Like, go outside. But one pet peeve that really bothers me is when people point the finger at successful people or successful entities and just go, they got lucky. Like, I got news for you. Luck is a huge element to anyone that's successful. It doesn't mean it's everything in the pie chart, but it plays a role. From Jeff Bezos to Bill Belichick, luck is involved. Did the Eagles get a little lucky? Of course they did. But to get lucky, like there's a price of admission in any industry. Anyone listening to this right now who is having success, you have been lucky a time or two in your life. Hell, I can speak for myself. The reason I made it to the NFL was because Pat Hill, who I worked for at Fresno State, was friends with Andy Reid. Called him up. I got an interview. Now, I crushed it when I got there, got hired on the spot, but I would not have ended up in Philly if Coach Hill doesn't call Andy Reid. Then Chip Kelly comes. I get fired from the NFL. Well, I had a good friend who just got a job in downtown San Francisco on radio. So I headed into a radio station, which within a year, we had a radio show. And then when I got out of radio, this industry called podcasting in 2016 was really taking off. And then before the volume was started up, I happened to do a podcast for Colin Coward. Like there are things in my life, like I work hard, just like you all work hard. I do everything humanly possible. I dedicate probably too much of my life to work. Part of the price of admission, like you got to, the balance in this country for people that are successful, like it usually skews to a lot of work, right? But there is an element that we all need. Like I said, Jeff Bezos, luck was on his side. It was called the internet. Bill Belichick, his name was Tom Brady. There's an element of luck to every single human alive who has success in any business. So this notion that the Eagles just got lucky, well, yeah, lining up with the Giants and then knocking out the quarterback, which they get credit for, and playing a team that couldn't throw is a little bit lucky. Of course it is. But here's what they also did, preparing themselves for putting themselves in the situation. They had the number one overall seed. Their team is littered with people that they were ultra aggressive to get. Last year during the draft, I don't know, they traded pick 17 for A.J. Brown and they broke him off. Their star corner, a couple years ago, they traded for him from the Detroit Lions. It's not like they paid a first-round pick. A lot of teams could have had him. They got him, right? Jalen Hurts, never forget. Carson Wentz was on the team. We all thought the pick was crazy, myself included. Now, a couple years later, they would not be in the Super Bowl without Jalen Hurts. Hell, they hired a coach that we all thought they were crazy for hiring. And whatever you think about Nick Sirianni, he put together a pretty good coaching staff. Guys that he knew from when he was working with the Chargers. So a lot of their moves led them to position to be, if things broke right, one, they didn't even need things to break right. They would have been in position because their team's really talented, but things broke right and they kind of walked right into the Super Bowl. But they put themselves in that position. So anyone listening, if you're working hard, you're not getting to where you want to go, like that's part of life. We've all done it. And we just go, I don't know if it's going to break. Help my girlfriend's in real estate. 
And there was a period for like the last six months of 2022. It was just like, this is hard. Not many houses are moving. And over this last month, and I kept telling her, like, I, I understand your frustration. Like, I've been there. I've been at point in times in my career when it feels like I'm just knocking my head against the wall. But if you've already had success previously, which you had, keep doing what you're doing. Keep doing the kind of the mundane tasks. Keep being ultra aggressive in things that you think you're leaving underdeveloped and things will break. Right now, she's got like seven deals on the frying pan. And it's just like part of life is swinging until the dam breaks. And sometimes the dam breaks like the Eagles where you get the Giants who you absolutely have no business. Like the Giants have no business matching up against the Eagles. And we've seen it now twice when the Eagles tried and it was a bloodbath. And the 49ers who probably were their equal. Like we got robbed of that game. Like the Eagles knocked their quarterback out and they couldn't throw and the Eagles kicked their ass. Right now, if Brock Purdy's able to throw, who knows how it plays out. But here's what the Eagles already had. They had one more win than the 49ers. So they were hosting him. So even if Brock Purdy is healthy and the 49ers who have a somewhat equal team, you kind of saw the the lines. You got to give the, uh, you know, the the advantage to the Eagles on the O-line, D-line, uh, which the Niners D-line is really good, but the Eagles are probably better. And offensive line-wise, the Eagles is definitely better. And when you invest heavily in the line of scrimmage, like that's a big point of difference. You know, you're you're gonna be able to play with basically any team. Did I love what I saw from Jalen Hurts yesterday? No, I did not. The Eagles or the 49ers basically until the game kind of got out of ha- hand said, here's what we're going to make you do, Jalen. We're going to make you beat us with your arm. We don't think you're throwing it that great because of your injury. And he didn't. And he, and honestly, he probably couldn't have if the game was tight. Or it would have been very interesting to see if he could. The Chiefs are probably going to make him do that. But because Hassan Reddick, who I don't know, Howie Roseman aggressively signed, paid a lot of money, knocked Brock Purdy out of the game, they were in a position where, um, you know, they could essentially walk right into the Super Bowl. So yeah, there was some luck on their side, but did they create most of that? Of course they did. And that's usually the way it works for successful people in this world, especially in this country. Something on the Chiefs that I recently went golfing with a couple guys that are heavy hitters for a major apparel company um, in this country and really in this world. But they work in the golf industry, and and we went golfing, had a good time. And after the round, we were having a couple beers and bullshitting. I mean, we were bullshitting the whole day. And they were giving me a story about, you know, signing a couple players, high level players, and kind of debating was this guy worth it? Was he not? Should we double down on this guy? And they ultimately decided to, and they put all their chips in the middle of the table on this one individual. And one thing that you know, helped hammer home that they were making the right decision was the way the guy was wired. That money wasn't going to phase him. Success wasn't going to phase him. He was in it for the long haul. His work ethic, his mindset, his just overall character. And that is always something in football when we try to determine who we should draft, who we shouldn't draft. Like, what is the competitive character of players? You see with the Eagles, like Jason Kelsey, Lane Johnson playing through another torn growing all the defensive linemen they have, like they just have high character football competitors. Jalen Hurts, so are the 49ers. Like that is a must if you want to have a good football team. Well, I would say the greatest players in the history of the sport, their competitive character slash toughness is like their greatest attribute. Like ultimately, what separates Tom is not his, you know, great hair that might be, you know, fake. 
It's not his, you know, his height. It's not even his arm. It's his competitive, relentless nature. And I, I think you see with Patrick Mahomes, like they gave him $450 million. Now, not every penny's guaranteed, but Patrick Mahomes is going to make so much money from the Chiefs, it's stupid. And he's vastly underpaid. Because one thing that these guys told me to do, and I recommend this book, even though I, I, I listen to audiobooks, I don't read them. So when I say books, I'm, I'm an audio listener, but I'm listening to Hank Haney, who was Tiger Woods' coach after Butch Harmon. Uh, he basically wrote a book about Tiger Woods, and it's fascinating. I'm just the mindset and just, you know, Tiger's got some weird quirks, but really what made him a great player. And Tiger's big thing is like champions are not born, they're made. Like they are created over time. They they are bred. And like Tiger was bred by his dad, his work ethic, his his own practice, his own experiences in tournaments that led him to be a great player. And when you look at Patrick Mahomes, I think he's a great example, a lot like Brady, of like, it was hard. You know, it, it was not easy for him. It feels like it's been easy in the pros, but when you look at college, he played at Texas Tech where they kind of sucked, and no one thought Patrick Mahomes, besides Sean Payton and Andy Reid, was going to be some high-end NFL player. Now, he was, whatever, the 12th pick in the draft, 10th pick in the draft. I always get him and Watson mixed up. But unlike Watson, who they both went right at about the same time, Watson, we had seen him at Clemson win national championships or national championship. He had been to two. He had beat Alabama. It was clear like his success in college was undebatable. All he had had in college was success. Patrick Mahomes was used to losing. Like when he was there with Cliff Kingsbury, they were struggling to win seven games. They, they were not. He wasn't playing at Oklahoma. He, he was not rattling off 11 wins and winning Big 12 championships. He was having to grind for everything. And then even when he was drafted, it's basically unheard of now. He didn't get to play. He had to sit behind Alex Smith and he learned. And he clearly benefits, just like Brady, from going to a unreal coach and a fantastic environment. And he's even said this on record, like the culture was already kind of set before I got here. But I think when you watch Patrick Mahomes, and sometimes sports to me, I can be a little jaded. You know, I think we can all be a little cynical the older we get. There is an element, and I would throw Joe Burrow in this too. When you watch those two guys going at it, it kind of made me feel like a little kid again. Like when I was watching Steve Young play Brett Favre. You know, like when I was watching Emmett Smith and Jerry Rice on the same field against each other. I, I can understand if I was a 12-year-old kid, if I was a 10-year-old kid watching Joe Burrow and Patrick Mahomes, you would just be in love with the sport. Because... It's one thing to make great plays, and both those guys have been making great plays now for a while. It's another thing. Joe Burrow is just getting peppered. Patrick Mahomes can barely move, and it never felt like a second. They're complaining. They're showing up their coaches. They are just laying it all on the fucking line. And it, both those two guys, I, I think this gets thrown around a little too liberally sometimes. Is like, this guy's a throwback. Patrick Mahomes is a true throwback. He would be playing this game in 1972 when guys were making 75 grand. Just like he's playing this game with a $450 million contract and you never watch him and go, this guy's doing it just to be a star. You know, it, it actually feels the complete opposite. This guy is doing it just because he loves playing football. 
you watch Joe Burrow play and you go, this guy just loves playing football. Like you or me would have when we were 13 years old at recess in seventh grade playing football with our buddies. You know, there's just a love of the sport when it was just, I'm doing this because I want to be like these guys I watch on TV. And I, I thought the competitive character to Mahomes, like his, all the experiences over his life, like obviously he hit the ground running in the NFL in terms of success immediately, a lot like Brady. But I think going through some, I mean, it's kind of first class tough time problems because they've been losing in the conference championship has led this guy to kind of a mastery of the position. But you can master position. I say this all the time. One thing I don't think we do a great job of is, you know, quantifying and really hammering home how important toughness is, how important football character is. I talked to one of my buddies on the Chiefs last night. I could tell he was he was fired up because <laughs> that was that's the second best win of the Andy Reid Patrick Mahomes era, which is the second best win of the Andy Reid ten years in Kansas City. First is obviously the Super Bowl. That that to me is a close second because that was. I don't know how they're going to win it, and they found a way. And I said, how did you guys find all these you rookies? I mean, they were playing with multiple seventh-rounders, a fourth-rounder in their defensive backfield. We, he said, we leaned on traits and football and competitive character, and we let the rest, you know, the guys coach them up. And you're watching guys, and I think their team, they transitioned. It was one thing to trade Tyreek Hill. They transitioned this team. They have a ton of young guys. The first-round pass rusher from Purdue. The first-round DB from Washington, McDuffie. All the other defensive backs in the secondary. Most, Both their linebackers are pretty young. Pacheco is a young player. They have a young nucleus of guys. Obviously, Mahomes and Kelsey have been there. But there's an element of, uh, we're doing this. We're trying to chase this greatness. Not for money. Not for the fame. But because the most important thing to us in this building is winning. And you know, in a day and age, like I think this is something the NBA has really battled. I mean, Kevin Durant a couple weeks ago said there are no rivalries in the NBA. If he truly believes that, and I think there aren't really, that's a problem. Like the sport, I, I grew up in the 90s NBA. It was built on rivalries. The NFL has hung their hat on rivalries. If you don't have rivalries in the sport, your business is going to be capped. And this organic rivalry, the only way you get a rivalry is teams playing over and over and over again. And you can argue to be a true rivalry, both teams have to win. And I would say that is true. But part of a rivalry, even if one team's been on top, like the Bears and the Packers forever, the Packers have been kicking their ass. But that's a huge game. Why? Because when the Bears and Packers, they play all the time, twice a year, right? Russell Wilson dominated the Niners. He was like 14-2 and two against the Niners. But it was always a rivalry. Why? Because they play it all the time. That's Cowboys and Eagles, Cowboys and Giants. And you watch what's cool about a non-divisional rivalry that gets organically created through the playoffs. It's like you feel it. And so when all these teams, both, you know, the Bengals were talking shit. And then after the game, the Chiefs and Kelsey and Chris Jones blasted them back. Like, that's cool. That's that's what sports are built on. And when you got the best two players in the league, and I got news for you, Burrow and Mahomes are the best two players in the league. You got well-run organizations like it pops on TV and watch those guys lay it on the line. Watch Mahomes' competitive character with his ankle. You know, it's just what a game. And we can bitch and moan about the referees. And listen, I despise referees because I think there are two 
you know, positions in this country where you can be incompetent at your job. I say government officials, but I just say government employees. Like it just doesn't really matter. You know, you can be bad and you keep your job. You you can waste all the money, be a disaster, like just doesn't matter. Same with the referees. You can blow call after call after call. It does not matter. So I've stopped getting angered at those two industries. I, I don't have the energy. Like we have a long history. It's a disaster. So I just I focus my place other places. My, my anger, my energy. I I don't control any of that. So yeah, are there bad calls? There's always been bad calls. So there they're gonna be bad calls. Welcome to sports. You know my feeling on referees. You know my feeling on referees on television. Like I get him off my television. I do not need to hear from this guy who wasn't any good when he had a zebra outfit on on the field. I don't give a shit. But like I, I think it's very easy after the game to always blame it on the sometimes you just lose and sometimes you might have lost anyway. Like ultimately, Osai shoved Patrick Mahomes, the best player in the league, the multiple time MVP, when both his feet were in the white. Now, was it a hard, super hard shove? Was it like a Sean Taylor to the punter in the Pro Bowl? No. Was it a penalty? Yeah, it was. And I've heard, I I listened to Mike Lombardi's podcast. The Bengals, and, and I understand, I think everyone's blasting the punter for sending this, or not everyone, no one's really talking about it, but if you want to blast the punter for sending this low liner, the Chiefs were going to try to block the punt. So he tried to get rid of the ball fast. Well, when you try to get rid of the ball fast, the reason the statement outkicked the coverage, while we talk about it from like when you have a better looking girlfriend or wife than yourself, it also means literally outkicking your coverage. And when you do that in special teams, you create problems. There's a reason when I worked in the NFL and I did it in college too, we timed punts because you want to have a hang time of like four seven, four eight to five oh. So your DBs or your wide receivers, whoever playing your gunners, can get down there and corral the punt returner. When you hit a low liner and it gets there in like three seconds, it is a massive advantage for the receiving team, not just the punt returner, but for the guy setting up a block. And you could argue in that situation, you should always kick it out of bounds. I would imagine, like, I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt. They probably told him to aim it. I think he thought the pressure was coming and tried to get rid of it fast, and it bit him in the ass. And it led to, obviously, after the penalty, the game-winning field goal. Uh, But, like, this is special teams. Special teams bores me, too. But when your special teams screw up, we always talk about the referees or the coaching staff or another player, like, Sometimes special teams blows games too. And that special teams punt, which who knows? The overtime rule was now both teams were going to get a shot in overtime. I have no clue who would have won. You could have convinced me either team could have won. It felt like that game was even a mistake. What, what did Bobby Knight used to say? Uh, dumb or smart wins more game or dumb loses more games than smart wins. That's true. A lot of times in a game like that, it probably wasn't going to be just some miraculous play. It was going to be something stupid. And ultimately, that's what it was. It was something stupid, him shoving Mahomes, which we can argue all day long about the the violence of the shove. It happened. And he's Patrick Mahomes, and he got the call. Tired of spills and stains on your sofa? Wash away your worries with Anabay. Anabay, the only sofa that's machine washable inside and out, where designer quality meets budget-friendly prices. That's right. Sofas from only $639. 
Anabay brings you a no-risk experience with pet-friendly, stain-resistant, and changeable slipcovers made with performance fabric, cloud-like comfort with high-resilience foam, and hypoallergenic featherless down that needs no fluffing. Their steel frame ensures longevity, and you can rearrange the modular pieces anytime. And here's the cherry on top, up to 60% off site-wide. It's backed by a 30-day satisfaction guarantee, so if you're not absolutely in love, send it back for a full refund. No return shipping or restocking fees. Every penny back. Join the revolution of easy, clean, stylish living with up to 60% off at anabay.com. That's A-N-A-B-E-I.com. Offers are subject to change, and certain restrictions may apply. Hey guys, this is Matt Jones, Drew Franklin from the Fade This Podcast. We got a great episode coming up. Picks in all the sports, football, basketball, we do them all. But here's a preview of this week's episode. Nothing to do with anyone personally, but Creighton is the team every year that the nerds, you know, the basketball nerds, are like, you know, who's ready to get Creighton? You don't watch Creighton. And I'm like, I don't want to watch Creighton because I agree with Shannon the dude today. Creighton's never going to win anything. Stop talking to me about Creighton. They're not never the, not gonna, the not the Big East tournament. They're, well, I mean, they could maybe they win the Big East tournament, but it'll only be luck. But like, they're always like, you know, a sleeper team. Like that guy who I told you had eight title teams. One of his title teams was Creighton. Is not winning the national championship. It's yeah, I don't not, have him doing that. That like that's why do we all have to act like Creighton is a, is a is a good team? Creighton's like the band they all say you should know if you really knew bands. <laughs> And then they're never at any of those. And then they're never, yeah, exactly. And it comes time for the Grammys, and they lose out to, like, you know, Lil Durk. And you're like, see, I knew Lil Durk was better. Why are you, t- why are you telling me? See the whole time. <laughs> and this episode was brought to you in partnership with DraftKings. To hear more, listen and subscribe to Fade This on iHeartRadio or wherever you listen to podcasts. Looking to get more out of the NFL season? Now's the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That's free bets back if your first bet doesn't win. The promo code is always Colin. FanDuel has tons of betting options. I like the same game parlay. Bet a little, win a lot. FanDuel's app is safe, secure, easy to use, and you get paid your winnings really fast. The no-sweat first bet up to 1000 bucks. Promo code Colin. Make every moment more this season with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the National Football League. 21 plus and present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Indiana, and Louisiana. Permitted parishes only. Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, Virginia, or West Virginia. First online real money wager only. Refund issued as non-withdrawable site credit that expires in 14 days. Restrictions apply. See terms at sportsbook.fanduel.com. Gambling problem? 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text Next Step to 53342-ARIZONA, 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat. Connecticut, 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com slash RG in Colorado, Indiana, Jersey, and Virginia, 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana, 1-800-270-717 for confidential help in Michigan, 1-877-HOP P-E-N-Y or text H-O-P-E-N-Y 467-369 in New York, Tennessee. Redline 1-800-889-9789 Tennessee. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia. A couple questions for the two teams that lost. I have a lot of respect for this Bengals team. I mean, they have been a bunch of badasses the last couple years. They have been complete war daddies, especially on offense. I mean, that trio they have on offense with the quarterback and the two receivers is sweet. I mean, it's it's just a fan of offensive football. It is very, very fun to watch. But as someone told me in the league, moving forward is something to keep an eye on. Like, 
okay, now it's time to break a couple guys off. Joe Burrow and T. Higgins were taken in the same year in the draft in 2020. Well, Burrow has the fifth-year option, but you always want to get ahead of it when you have a star quarterback. And the Bengals have been pretty open over the last couple of years selling the name and rights to the stadium, which they've never done, but they needed some more income. They're going to pay this guy a lot of money. Well, T. Higgins is also pretty sweet. And T. Higgins is going into his fourth year. Time to pay him too. Because if you're going to build this team, you're probably going to have to draft linemen and sign Chase, Higgins, and Burrow. And I I would imagine they're going to have to invest in those two guys. Those two guys are on cheap contracts. Burrow's the number one overall pick. So he's it's not like he makes seven hundred grand, but making ten million dollars is a lot make different than making fifty million dollars. And T. Higgins, as I think he was the first pick in the second round, making whatever that is, one million dollars is a lot different. Like he's a twenty million dollar receiver. So just between those two guys, now you can manipulate the cap, amortize the signing bonus. It's still gonna be a heavy, heavy investment into those two guys. I would guess. Burrow, $175 million guaranteed. To me, Higgins is, you know, Amari a couple years ago was a five for 20 or five for 100, you know, 60 guaranteed, 20 a year. To me, Higgins is, that would be like the starting point. So they're going to have to heavily invest in these two guys, but they keep their coaching staff together. Coach Lou, stud on defense. Zach Taylor's proven to be like his teams are not just prepared, they're tough. You got to be pretty bullish and pretty happy if you're a Bengal fan. Because you're just always going to be in the mix. If you keep drafting well, which the Bengals historically have done a good job. right? When they had Marvin Lewis, they were very competitive. Why? Because they drafted well. So if you can draft well around these core guys, you got a chance. And listen, the Niners, the number one things everyone is talking about is the quarterbacks. Brock Purdy's going to be the starter, assuming his arm didn't fall off. And Trey Lance isn't probably going anywhere. Now, are they going to sign Tom Brady or not? I mean, that's going to be a storyline over the next month and a half. But Tom Brady can't move. He's 46 years old. In Kyle's offense, you got to move. So, like, I know for a fact Trey Lance and Brock Purdy are going to be on this team. A fact would be strong. I guess they could trade Trey Lance, but I, I'd be pretty, I'd feel pretty confident those two guys are going to be around. To me, the number one question about the 49ers, they've made the NFC Championship game right three of the last four years. And even in 2020, when Jimmy got hurt and they just had a disaster of injuries, basically every position. Their defense was really good. So basically for four straight years, their defense has been awesome. And they went from those two years with Robert Sala in 19 and 20. And then these last two years with D'Amico Ryan, both guys are head coaches and both guys are just studs. And you get a lot of credit as a head coach for winning playoff games. Kyle has six playoff wins in the last four years. He gets a lot of credit for being an innovative guy. One thing he's done a really good job of Kyle's the offensive coordinator. So whoever his defensive coordinator is, is the head coach of the defense. And it's hard to hit three straight really good future head coaches. He did it with Robert Sala, who was not some highly touted guy. It was pretty clear within a couple of years, D'Amico was going to be the guy that took over for Sala. Well, who's going to be his defensive coordinator now? There are rumors that Vic Fangio could be his defensive coordinator. Even though their scheme is dramatically different than Vic's 3-4 scheme, I, maybe if you just take the philosophical belief, you just always hire the best and he's the best. Like, I, I can't argue, and they have a lot of versatile tre- chest, like Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, Eric Armstead, Nick Bosa. They would thrive in any defense. But whoever his next defensive coordinator is, uh, it's going to be a big deal because they have really relied on this defense to have a lot of success. Whether they're the number one defense, the number four defense, like they've been a big time defense. 
So I, I will be fascinated to see who his next hire is. And I think that's going to go, like, to me, my biggest question mark. If they're going to sustain the success, I know they'll figure it out on offense. You know, because they always kind of do. They have a lot of good players. And basically, Debo, IU, Kittle, McCaffrey, Trent Williams, all these dudes are coming back. Both guards, Purdy. Uh, it, to me, is the defensive coordinator. And that's probably play out in the next week. Okay, before I get into my theory on the Cowboys, I uh, I kind of got a theory on D'Amico. It, from all, I'm recording this Monday afternoon. By all reports is that he could have gone to the Denver Broncos. And my theory on the Denver Broncos is, is I do wonder, like their ownership, ton of money. And even though the structure's a little weird with the son-in-law, one thing's pretty clear is that they're going to do whatever it takes to win. They, they put $400,000 in the last game when it came to resodding the field. I do wonder if their toxicity is the quarterback, who, let's face it, is just not liked. Jerry Judy can come out. That's fine. The other guys that are around him for a decade, no one in Seattle has the guys back. I was with someone the other night that has some connections to NFL players at a restaurant, actually. And we were talking about him. And he was like, he's a weirdo. I do wonder if people are just turned off by Russell Wilson. Play seems to be diminishing, and the contract is massive. So it's an easy thing to avoid because, in theory, you would never go to the Houston Texans over the Denver Broncos, right? But when you factor in, they don't have the draft picks because they're stuck with Russell Wilson. Isn't that an easy one to avoid? And you go to the Texans where ton of draft picks. They've just fired back-to-back coaches as one-and-dones. They're not going to fire you as a one-and-done. You've played there before. And to me, for D'Amico, like, you have a lot more room to kind of grow, to mold the thing in how you want to mold it. So when D'Amico becomes the head coach of the Houston Texans, which all accounts point to, I, I wonder if that's a direct reflection of the Russell Wilson situation. And it's going to be fascinating if Denver can't find a head coach. Like, are people turned off by this guy? I don't even think that's debatable at this point. My theory on the Cowboys and Jerry Jones is it's kind of an unwritten rule in football that during the conference championship games and during the Super Bowl that you don't break news when it comes to, obviously, there's a lot of coaching movement, but you just stay quiet. Well, Jerry and the Cowboys are in bed with Fox, right? They, they are Fox's biggest property because Fox has the NFC and they both print money together. And Jerry, clearly, both have been good for each other. So when the news broke during the AFC championship game, it didn't hit me right away, but it hit me today. Jerry Jones has been one of the most, the, mo the most, and the really only, outspoken proponent that Roger Goodell is way overpaid. And I think it stems back to when Roger Goodell, you know, suspended Zeke and he didn't think it was justified. He's had it out for Roger ever since. And listen, I, I can be a little uh, vengeful as well. Jerry breaking that story during the AFC was, one, he doesn't necessarily care about CBS. And two, that was a massive FU to Roger Goodell. I'm breaking the story that we're firing Kellen Moore and that Mike McCarthy will take back over play calling duties. What are you going to do about it? What There's nothing he can do. That, to me, was a massive muscle flex and Jerry flipping the bird at Rog. Now, from what it actually means is, and me and Colin talked about this, one, I, I think Kellen Moore is a good coach. I think that is a good hire by the L.A. Chargers. And here's a reality for Kellen Moore and the L.A. Chargers is if Brandon Staley and the defense is still hit or miss and they get bounced in the first round, but Herbert has improved and the offense looks really good, 
they are more likely to hire Kellen Moore as their next head coach than Sean Payton. Because Kellen Moore would cost seven, eight million dollars. Sean Payton, as we know, costs twenty to twenty-five million dollars. And one thing we know with the Chargers, they like a good deal. They like their savings account. So I would actually look if Kellen Moore and Herbert, Kellen Moore's had success with Dak Prescott. He's been around him since Dak Prescott was a rookie. They, they played together. And then once Kellen got right into coaching, like he's pretty good with offense. I've been watching Kellen Moore's career since Boise State as a player. I believe in Kellen Moore. I think he's going to have success with the Chargers. If Brandon Staley stumbles, I'd keep an eye on Kellen Moore being the next head coach of the Chargers, not Sean Payton. And last but not least is Mike McCarthy is that if you're Jerry, you sign McCarthy to whatever this five-year deal. We're now going 20, 21, 22, going into year four. I got to figure out, like, am I giving this guy an extension? What are we doing with this guy? Well, he's going, well, you forced me to hire Kellen Moore or keep him on the staff and let him call plays. Like, how about you let me run the show? I think that's what Jerry did because he loves Kellen Moore. He goes, okay, Mike, you get to run the show. Clock's on. One season. Let's see what you got. Now, one thing Mike really benefits from, Dan Quinn's still on the staff. And their defense is going to be good. But there's going to be a lot of pressure on the offense. Now, they benefit from being in the NFC. I think the Cowboys will be a playoff team next year. Now, I don't think winning one playoff game will be enough. I think that Mike's going to have to show that he can play toe-to-toe with the Eagles and to compete to win the division. But like now with the Eagles making the Super Bowl, like can you get us the conference championship game? To me, if Mike's like one and done next year in the playoffs, he's done because he'll be going in his last final year of his contract. See you later. And I, I think Jerry's rightfully so putting it all on Mike. Your time, buddy. Let's see what you got. Okay, let's dive into the mailbag. It's this little thing we call the DMs in my Instagram. At John Middlecoff is the Instagram. Fire in those DMs and get your question answered here on the show. Uh, This is from Scott. Quick question. I live in northern Arizona. Is it worth going down to the valley to experience and explore some of the Super Bowl activities? I have been to a couple Super Bowls. When it came to San Francisco, I had a radio show and was at Radio Row. And then a couple years ago when the Niners played the Chiefs, I went out to Miami. You know, I had a podcast, but I really went out there kind of screwing around. Uh, I enjoyed it. I think there's just a lot going on. There's a great vibe. One thing about that week, I mean, I've never been here in Scottsdale for waste management, but that is by far the biggest fun golf tournament of the year, which I now I, I'm a member at TPC where they have the where they have the tournament. the The stadium out there is incredible. It is like a party meets a football game with their all their stadiums and seating. So that meet the Super Bowl. It's going to be incredible. I, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. There's a ton going on. Now, I don't like people that much. Like, I'm doing this for business, so that week is going to be fun. I wouldn't actively seek it, but that's my personality. I'm like a introverted extrovert, I would say. But if you want to come down here for a day or two, if you're not going to go to the game, go to some, I don't even know, go to parties, but just kind of take it in. The NFL does a good job. I'm pretty sure everything's in Phoenix, uh, don't quote me on that. You have to ask Raj and his team with the NFL League office. But yeah, I mean, I if you like people, if you like booze, if you like football, I, I would say yeah, definitely do it. Hello, this is from Tia. My boyfriend, who doesn't have an Instagram, listens to you. What seems to me daily. He wants me to send you a question. 
John Middlecoff. I'd like to get your take on this idea I had the other day. We all know that Mahomes is the most talented quarterback in the league and already has a ring. But I believe Burrow will end his career with more rings. Mahomes would be the Peyton Manning to Burrow's Tom Brady. Peyton, as I saw it, was always the more respected quarterback and his star was bigger than Tom's. But Tom has the rings. Do you think this could play out the same way between Mahomes and Burrow? I would say the major difference is Peyton was really famous by the time Tom won the Super Bowl that first year, right? When they beat the St. Louis, uh, I almost called them the St. Louis Cardinals, St. Louis Rams. And then a couple years later, they won back-to-back. He had three Super Bowls before Peyton had one. The difference in this analogy is, because I, I do think there are some parallels to Burrow. Just I think a lot of people compare him to Brady. He's obviously a better athlete. If Mahomes wins in two weeks, Patrick will have two. So if Patrick never wins another one, Burrow would have to get to three. If the Bengals and Burrow win three, that seems a little crazy. I would say if the Bengals and Burrow were to win two, that would be one of the great draft picks and, you know, things of all time. So I would say, I would th- say it would be tarred I, uh, if Patrick wins against the Eagles. That, that, that would be my take on that one. Now, if Patrick loses, it, it definitely would be in play. But if Mahomes has two Super Bowls and he's got Andy Reid, like, I would say it would be just as likely he wins another as Burrow wins his first one. So I, I would push back against that. But I hear you. Hey, John, diehard 18-year-old Niner superfan from Iowa checking in with a difficult question after a weird, weird, sad day of Niner football. When it comes to D'Amico leaving for a head coaching job, would there be a sense in thinking he has the talent he would ever want right now? And after the result of this Mickey Mouse NFC Championship game, he has a massive chip on his shoulder with the squad and wants to run it one more year? Go Niners. Don't count Trey out yet. No. I just think, you know, money talks. He was a defensive coordinator on two teams that went to NFC Championship games. You know, the goal of a lot of these guys in coaching, D'Amico's unique because he made a lot of money playing, but clearly he loves coaching, is to be the head guy. And I say it all the time, like not everyone's meant to be the head guy, but I never, you know, I always understand when a guy wants to leave the number two seat for the number one seat. I always push back when a guy, it's clear you're you're not a number one. D'Amico's probably a number one. I mean, this guy was team captain as like a rookie. His nickname was Mustafa. He is beloved. Fred Warner calls him the most important person he's ever been around in football. Changed his life. Fred Warner's the best middle linebacker in football. So, I think D'Amico, Robert Sala was a good candidate. I think D'Amico is dramatically better. And when you look at the Texans, um, they got a lot of picks, man. And he gets to mold it. Like, he just saw, he was there with Kyle the whole time. And he saw that franchise mold everything from the ground up. I think you get to do that with Houston. And let's face it, Casario's going to have to lean on D'Amico, as he should. So if those two can get along, I I think, you know, Houston has a big upside. It's going to take a minute, but it has a really, really big upside. I now understand why you hate when former refs come on TV. They don't have a clue what they're doing and just waste time. The clown on CBS was literally explaining why the Chiefs got five downs toward the end of the game 
and that the game-ending personal foul was the correct call. This is probably the 20th EM you got about the officiating, but I'd love to hear you complain about the refs and bozos like that come on air and explain why they suck. Also, as a casual golf fan, golfer, excited to start listening to your other pod. So the Go Low pod will probably start after the Super Bowl. And that's just, you know, we talk a lot of PGA golf. We talk a lot of gambling. And, uh, you know, I, I have some uh, some ideas. I, I've been brewing ideas now for a couple years about golf content now that I live in Arizona, one of the meccas of the game. I, I think uh, I, I got a lot of curveballs in my back pocket. I, I said my piece earlier. I, I just I don't have the energy anymore. Now, I, I, I don't think the Bengals won that game or lost that game strictly because of the referees. Every Everyone gets screwed on bad calls. I also, like I said earlier in the pod, I, I think the right call was made when he was shoved out of bounds. But I, I do not want to hear some inept former ref talking to me. I'm with, I'm with you. But I, I just, I, I just, I've been that guy and I don't even disagree with you. I, I just don't have the energy of constantly bitching about the refs. It never changes. It never changes. You know why? Because the NFL doesn't care. It doesn't matter. Because they're printing money no matter what whether the referees are the best in the business or whether they're what we see now, which are bad. They, they, they haven't cared for a long, long time. They're not going to start now. What I don't understand either is with all this technology, that play in the Niner game where Devontae Smith caught it and Kyle didn't challenge it and it clearly wasn't a catch. There are subjective calls, right? like the late hit on Burrow, which I understand people saying that's the late hit on Burrow. And Burrow should get the protection just like Mahomes or Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers. I'm in agreement there. But there are some calls, we're, we're big on expediting the process now. You know when a lot of these things get reviewed, but they don't even get reviewed and we come back from break and it's like they've been overturned or whatever. Why can't the league on things that are just a catch or a no catch, a challengeable play, when it's clear like they know in the league office, just say that's not a catch and just move on. Right, instead of having to do the challenge process, couldn't they expedite that? Isn't it on the league? Is that what Belichick said? Why is it always my job to fix your fuck up with a challenge? I think there's some merit to that. Big fan of your work for the past half decade or so. Make me feel old. I have a question for the mailbag. Diehard Raider fan from New York. If you were in Ziegler's shoes, can you give me a detailed plan in how you would turn around the Raiders? It doesn't help that we have the worst owner in sports by far, and it's also looking like Mahomes is going to do go on a Brady-like run, kicking the AFC's ass, AFC West ass every year. Every year, appreciate your great work. I'm pretty sure that Mahomes has never lost in his five-year starting a divisional road game. Your defense is atrocious, like really, really bad. Max Crosby, good player. Rest of the guys suck. You need to find a way. And I've been around the Raiders now pretty closely for over a decade. I was around them really closely for like six, seven years. And I I still watch all their games. Your defense stinks. It is never any good. I'm not saying you need to get a top five defense, but you just need to find a way to get like a top half defense. Just somewhere in the middle teens, you know, and you got to be better on defense. And both these guys come from the Patriots who are always good on defense. Your quarterback situation is a problem, right? You're going to let Derek go. Got no issue with that. If I was Mark Davis and I watched that game last night, we've had nine years of Derek. He's never going to be that. Okay, let's start. But like, it's easy to say that. What are you going to do? Are you going to draft a guy really high? 
Are you going to trade up in the draft and try to get like a C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young, Will Levis? Are you going to sign Tom Brady? Even if you sign Tom Brady, he's 46 years old. It's a one and done. you got to figure out the quarterback position, and you got to improve on defense. you got Devontae. you got Renfro. you got Waller. You know, whatever you do with Jacobs, I'd probably resign him. Your lines needs a little improvement, but you can keep drafting and developing there. You've got to get better players on defense. Impact guys. They, they missed so many guys on defense over the years, man. Cleveland Farrell instead of, uh, what's his name? I almost said Devontae White. Uh, I, I can't even, my head's not working right now. The linebacker from LSU who's on Tampa Bay. You know, they take, a couple years later, they take the the corner from Ohio State who's in jail because of guns. I mean, they just, they do things on defense over and over and over again. Jonathan Abram, who is a true box safety who can't do anything else in the second round. Like the Niners took Hufunga in like the sixth. You know, you, you don't need to take these guys. They're drafting historically on defense is just so bad. Devin White? Devin White? Is that the right guy? Good player. They should have taken him over Cleveland Farrell. Okay, from Daniel. Just finished watching the game with the Chiefs and the Bengals. I'm a season ticket holder for the Bills. Lifelong fan. I hope we get Sean Payton because, my God, the Bills have taken a step back. I think one thing was really, really clear that night with the Bengals and the Chiefs game. The Bills got a ways to go, man. They are not as tough. They are not as physical. They're just not as good as those two teams. Period, point blank, end of story. They gave the Chiefs all they could handle two years ago in the playoffs, but Brian Dable's gone now. And their offense with Ken Dorsey was not as good. And Josh Allen was not as good. And they just do not have the physical element to them that the Bengals and Chiefs, there was a grittiness and a toughness to those two teams, which was just awesome to watch in person. I have a quick question. I'm in a dynasty fantasy football league and have to option to trade for Trey Lance for cheap. Do you think he is the starter next season or the starter somewhere else? Uh, You know, I'm not selling all my Trey Lance stock, but I've given up on thinking that he's going to be some transcendent player. And transcendent, I just mean like a a top 12 starter. Uh, Purdy had the, you know, Tommy John or elbow surgery will be out until training camp. If Purdy is healthy in training camp, he's going to be the starter. Now, on the bright spot for Trey Lance, with Purdy's injury, they probably keep him. They don't trade him this offseason, and he gets all the offseason reps. So, coming off the injury, he gets all the reps in OTAs, which is definitely not a bad thing. Him and Brock seem to have a good relationship. So, if he ever could figure it out, they are equipped, right? Kittle, Debo, Ayuk, Christian McCaffrey, Trent Williams, like all those guys are under contract. Both guards under contract. They're going to need a new right tackle. Elijah Mitchell gets injured a lot, but he's also under contract. Juwan Jennings under contract. They got a lot of weapons, man. They, they really do. But I would think about trading him for sure. Good day, John. Big fan of the pot. I heard an interesting take on Lamar Jackson scenario. If he were to be traded, he would see a straight-up swap for Justin Fields. I can see the fit with Justin Fields in Baltimore, but not so much with Lamar in Chicago. What are your thoughts on the trade fit? And could Chicago look to involve a third team? Third team, three team trades don't happen in football. To me, the trade would be Justin Fields to the Ravens, and then the Ravens would trade Lamar to like Miami or New York. Chicago would start from scratch. They have a ton of money. They could get a ton of picks. They would not take Lamar. 
to me, you just ride it out with Fields before you pay Lamar all this money. You're not close to being a player away. So to me, Lamar would not go to the Bears. <clears throat> I'm with you. It does not fit. If you're the Bears, you just draft one of the quarterbacks. And you use all these picks to kind of restock the cupboard. But the Ravens would, obviously, Fields does make some sense there, and then it would get rid of Lamar so they don't have to pay him. Never forget, and Bears fans, like, you have to admit, your general manager said, what, what does Justin Fields need to improve on this offseason? He said throwing. What if you saw Colin Coward? You're like, what do you think uh, if Colin looked at you and was like, uh, or you're like, what does Middlecoff need to improve on? He's like, talking? I'd be like, uh, we got. I probably don't have a long future here podcasting. He said throwing. Not like, you know, he needs to work on this one concept. He said throwing the football. I, I got that situation red flag from a mile away. I, I really do. I, I'd keep an eye on that. I'm not, And I'm not a Justin Fields hater. I, I like Justin Fields. I'm wondering what your thoughts are on Frank Reich. Colin thinks he's a great head coach, but with no evidence. Frank had many awful play calls and often seemed confused. I do not like Frank as much as Colin. I think Frank is a little too pro-player for me. And I'm not against being pro-player. Pete Carroll, Andy Reid, Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay are pro their players. But they also are very... They, they, there's a high level of accountability. From what I've heard about Frank is kind of a wuss when it comes to that type of stuff. It's never the player's fault. It's always... I don't know if he's a tough-minded guy. But I do think he's a solid coach. When he had Andrew Luck, when he had Phillip Rivers, like they did have success. They went to the playoffs. Their statistics were fantastic. So I heard Colin go on the rant about, you know, Rivers had a bounce back year. Luck had his best year of his career, Frank. The Panthers don't have a coach, though. Or, I mean, a quarterback. So, like, he doesn't have a quarterback. He's in the same situation as he just was in Indy. I just don't know if Frank is kind of wired to be the tough guy. And I think sometimes you kind of need a tough guy. I need a guy that can relate to players. I need a guy that can obviously scheme offense. I need a guy that obviously can interact with other human beings, and he's really good at that. But sometimes, like, you kind of got to be an asshole. Like Sean Payton, Kyle Shanahan. Like, they got their, their, their back pocket. I don't know if Frank's got it. But like I said, I understood why the Panthers hired him, even over Wilkes. Like, I, I, I would never hire a defensive guy, especially an old retread defensive guy. At least D'Amico's like a young, innovative potentially a transcendent coach. Like, sorry, Steve, I'm leading offense. And if I'm going to go offense, I just had this one and done. Not, I guess he wasn't one and done. He was there two and a half years. But this college coach, I'm going with an NFL guy, and that's what Frank is. But I think Frank's ceiling's kind of high. Or excuse me, his floor's high. His ceiling's kind of low. Could make the playoffs, maybe, if they somehow figure out the quarterback. But I don't see them being some like powerhouse coming up. Okay, last question. Big fan of your show. Listen all the way from South Island on New Zealand. I went to New Zealand when I was 13 with my dad. Very cool place. I'm a massive Bengals fan. Been a fan since Carson Palmer redshirt year behind John Kitna. My question to you is, why is Joe Burrow not being, uh, have not been the MVP? When he was out injured his rookie year, we looked like the good old Bengals again. But when healthy, duty covers flaws in the team like no one else. Name another quarterback with a revolving door at O-line and gets close to being Super Bowl champs. You could make the argument that Joe Burrow should be the MVP. And you could make the argument that going into next year, he has a ton of MVP buzz. 
I think he is now Josh Allen. People are going to root for him and want to vote for him. So I'm with you. I would have voted Patrick Mahomes the MVP this year. And I think he validated that, you know, last night. But if you told me you voted for Joe Burrow as the MVP, I'd have no qualms. I'd have no arguments with you. I think he's the second best player in the league. So, yeah, I, I, I would do this. Instead of being bitter, and I'm not saying you're being bitter, but I would be so fired up that in your lifetime, you got the best player the franchise is ever going to have is that guy. Like, it doesn't get any better than that. Same thing with the Chiefs. This is as good as it gets. And they're both... How old is Joe Burrow? 26? 27? Like, you got a guy who's 26 years old, who is the best player in the history of your franchise, who is a certified badass. The way the football is, at minimum, if he just stays healthy, you got 10 more years of this sweetness. So... Just enjoy being a football. It doesn't get any better. He's going to win an MVP. And more than likely, you're going to win a Super Bowl. It's as good as it gets, man. Appreciate what you do. Well, okay, this is truly the last question. I know football is still going on, but we are basically back into golf season. So how long until we get go low back? I think I'm going to throw something up on my YouTube channel, just my YouTube channel, John Middlecoff, for uh, for go low uh, this week and next week. And then I think we will start it officially on the podcast feed after the Super Bowl. And yeah, I'm playing. I, I just watched every minute of Tory Pines, won a couple grand, and then I gave it all back when Brock Purdy's arm tore. So it's the gambling's fun until it's not. So yeah, I, I've been watching a ton of golf. So there is no uh, hesitation in me. It's just hard. You know, we got multiple, it's not just me on this podcast. We got other people working. It's just easier till after football season. I know everyone else tries to get you out golfing, but we've seemed similar in skill, and I'd love to get you out for a round. Scottsdale is great, but how about a private track up in Payson? Check out Rim Club and or Chaparral Pines, and let's get it on the books. Cheers, Luke and AZ. Never heard of those two places. Sounds sweet. Uh, I'll hit you up, man. I appreciate the invite. Okay, have a good week. We will be back on Friday uh, we'll just, there'll be more football stuff going on and then Super Bowl week next week. And we'll just keep rocking and rolling. Adios. May the peace be with you. See you people later. Volume. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere, like when the tailgate party shows up at your house after the big win. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this could sideline your savings. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. What's out there is unknown. So at UC San Diego, out we go. Because to take on the challenges of the here and now, you got to get your feet wet, your eyes open, and your mind out there, way out there. Turning the unknown into cures, culture, and connections with each step forward. So pack a bag, a notebook, and some sandals, and get ready to look far and think further. UC San Diego. 
Learn more at ucsd.edu.